This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Selecki. And I'm PJ Doran. And this week we have Brian Shafran. Pit Pass Moto is, of course, sponsored by Moto America, the home of America's Superbike Racing Series. Moto America airs around the world on networks like Eurosport, Fox Sports Asia, and Star Sports China, Supersport Africa. They have worldwide viewership that has now exceeded 7 million this year. It's insanely popular around the world. Get out and watch it. You can catch it anytime on Moto America Live Plus. They catalog all the races, all the action, the practice. Everything is available. If you can't get to a Moto America race, don't miss the action. And again, they catalog all the old stuff, so you can go out and check it out. And we've got one more round, of course, coming up in our Moto America series. Number nine at Laguna Seca, sadly without fans, but it will be featuring the drag specialties, King of the Baggers, and vintage racers in the Heritage Cup, which did an awesome job this past weekend at Indy as well. Here's the latest in industry news. MotoGP went to Le Mans, France. It was a very wet weekend, and Danilo Petrucci came out on top in the MotoGP category, followed closely by Alex Marquez, his first podium, younger brother to superstar Mark Marquez. We all know who's been out injured this season. It was Alex, first time on the podium. A very emotional win, and he really fought to get that far up the field, followed by KTM rider Paul Espargaro rounding out the podium in third place. Big news on the day, Rossi DNF. Further big news in the overall championship hunt. No one has taken the reins in this MotoGP title. We've got Fabio Cordoraro sitting on 115, Joan Mir sitting on 105, Andrea Dovizioso at 97, and Rossi's teammate Maverick Vignala is somewhat distant, fourth 96. Also this past weekend, Moto America from the Brickyard Superbike Racing. We had three races in the Superbike category. In race one, Fong, Gagne, Zanetti. Race two, Zanetti, Fong, Cambobier. Race three, Fong, Cambobier, Zanetti. And Mr. Cameron Bobier locks down yet another Superbike title. Super stock, we had one race on the weekend. Travis Wyman over Cam Peterson, followed by Max Gerardo. Supersport, we had race one, Escalante, Mesa, Pop, Brandon Posh. Race two, Escalante, Sean Dillon, Kelly, and Mesa. And Escalante gets crowned with the Supersport title this year. In the Twins Cup, we had Rocco Landers, the standout phenom this season, take the race win and the title. Add that to the list of titles he has. He also won this year's Junior Cup title as well as last year's Junior Cup title. Sensing a theme, Rocco Landers is an insanely talented rider, and he wins everything he tries. In that Twins Cup, Hayden Schultz came home second with Caleb DeCarroll in third. 
Final bit of news I've got for you, Dave, is the AFT from Charlotte. They were scheduled to have a one and a two, a doubleheader event. Sadly, event two got canceled due to rain. The first race did, however, happen in production twins. Corey Texture came out on top of Chad Coase and Ben Lowe in thirds. Super twins, big news. Jeffrey Carver over Jared Meese and title leader Briar Bauman. That title series coming down to the line Overall, right now, Briar Bauman on 273 points has a very slim nine-point advantage over the reigning and very domineering uh, champion Jared Meese sitting on 264 points with Sammy Halbert a little bit distant in third on 207. That one's going to come down to the wire. What happened off-road, Dave? Oh, we had uh, AMA Motocross over the weekend, the final event of the series out at Fox Raceway, Pala, California. And just as you expected, a lot of drama, a lot of good racing uh, in the 450 class. Chase Sexton, the uh, rookie in the 450 class, finished 3-1 for first overall, which was impressive. Defending champ Eli Tomac finished second overall with a 1-4. And then his teammate, Adam Ciancerillo, finished third with a 2-3. So it came down to the title. And the title winner this year, Zach Osborne, Mr. Grit, just uh, brought it home. I think he coasted in or backed it in, as they say, to the championship because he didn't have to win this weekend. But uh, to me, the drama was Eli not letting Sansarillo buy in that uh, first moto, not helping his teammate out. But uh, I guess it didn't matter. Zach brings it home. Sansarillo in his rookie season in the 450 outdoors finishes second for the year. And Eli, defending champ, finishes third. So those guys on Team Kawasaki, Monster Energy Team Kawasaki, uh, were able to make a good showing of it even after a bad start. For the year. And then to 250 class, we had the rookie from uh, Australia, Jet Lawrence, with a 1 2 for first overall. Jeremy Martin, the title hopeful, finished second overall with a 4 1, followed by Dylan Ferrandez, your new 250 MX outdoor champion, with a 2 5 for third overall. So Dylan takes a title, his first in the 250 outdoor, followed by J Mart on his Honda in second, and his uh, Dylan's teammate, Shane McElrath, for third overall. The big news there was. Geico Honda finishing one, two, three in the second moto, and Geico is pulling their efforts from racing and will not have a team next year. So the guys that uh, finished one, two, three made a good showing for their final race for the team for the year. And then uh, we also have results, MXGP of Spain and Madrid, the uh, MXGP class, the 450 class, Jorge Prado wins the overall, the hometown boy. It's his home track, and he goes out and wins it with a 1-1 overall for first overall, and Tim Geyser second overall in his Honda, followed by uh, Romain Fabra on his Yamaha. So the MXGP standings as they stand right now, Tim Geyser still leads with 441 over Tony Cairoli, who's uh, at 417, followed by Jeremy Sewer in third with 396. And then 250 class MX2, Tom Vial, the French rider, finished first overall with a 1-2, followed by Yago Geertz, Belgian rider on his Yamaha, finished second with a 5-1, followed by Thomas Kier Olsen, on his Husqvarna for third overall. In the MX2 standings, Tom Vial continues to lead with 525, followed by Yago Geertz with 473, and Jed Beaton, the Australian rider, in third with 379. So that's your MXGP uh, news. And last, uh, we have GNCC racing. Let's talk about XC1 Pro bike racing out of uh, the Mason-Dixon event in Taylortown, PA. Stuart Baylor wins his third race in a row. This is just unprecedented. He's just come out of nowhere and uh, 
with a borrowed ride and uh, go out there and win it. That was great. Ben Kelly finished second on his KTM, followed by defending champ and points leader Caleb Russell on his KTM. This is new hearing of people beating uh, one Caleb Russell. Russell. This is <laughs> yeah. uh, this is weird when two guys are in front of him. So interesting events afoot in that series. This week's Pit Pass trivia question is, what film is considered the first biker movie? Interesting question, and I look forward to the answer. But coming up next is our guest, Brian Shafran. We'd like to welcome today to Pit Pass Moto, Brian Shaffron. Hope I got your name right, Brian, the owner of Skidmark Garage. We look forward to talking to you about your garage, and welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. And you did pronounce my name right. That's pretty rare. Tell us about Skidmark Garage. Uh, as I understand, it is a somewhat self-serve garage where people get to go and learn how to be mechanics. Is that a fair statement? <laughs> uh, kind of. It is totally self-serve. So it's only DIY. There are no mechanics fixing anybody's bike. It's all, you buy a membership like at a gym and that entitles you to use all the tools and the welders, everything we have. And, you know, if it inspires someone to be a mechanic, that's a uh, unintended but pretty cool result. But for the most part, it's just people fixing their own stuff and hanging out and helping each other and teaching each other how to fix things. And just kind of forming and building a community. Brian, I've heard of this. This is not the first. You're not the first of your type garage. As I know, I've heard at a minimum of similar setups in L.A. and potentially Chicago. How far into this industry or how far is this industry in its development? When I opened in 15, I knew of like one or two others. The main one for a long time was Cerberus in San Diego. And Dave and his wife, Chen, were open there for, I think, seven or eight years. And they just closed their doors within the last year or so. There was a one in, in British Columbia called Moto Method. And there's one that was franchised for a minute. And most of those have, have struggled a little bit. But I formed a network of all the community garages around the world and created a little Facebook page for us to talk amongst ourselves and bounce ideas off each other and hopefully collaborate on like advertising and just commiserating. While the network didn't really turn out to serve a huge function, it did help me keep a keep some tabs on on all the other community garages around the around the world. And for a minute there were like three in Chicago and there were three or four in Los Angeles. Now I think there's one in Chicago and Maybe one left in Los Angeles. Hickory Union in Kansas City is doing really well. And there's Seattle, Denver, Florida. New York has a three or four. There was one in Austin. They're kind of spread throughout. You know, there's one or two in San Francisco. It's weird as, as quickly as some open, others are closing because it's not a big moneymaker. Yeah, but I think obviously, uh, Brian, you fulfilled a need 
by your location. I think where you're at, there was obviously a need for people to congregate and be able to do those kind of things that they can't do on their own. They don't have the they don't have the means, the garage and the workbench and the tools. So you hit on something when you introduced, which was you talked about community. And I think maybe that's the thing that maybe is missing from the Cleveland motorcycle scene. That's the gap you're covering and you're fulfilling. I don't know. That I feel like when I talk to the other owners and when I see their posts, they're definitely showing community and talking about their community. And, you know, the guy in Australia has a huge community and South Africa, that guy's got a great community. But I think the big difference, the only reason I'm still alive is because it's, I've got so much space for people to store their bikes to do these long-term projects. Whereas Cleveland's real estate market, these old warehouses and factories that have been abandoned, you can rent them for a really fair price. And if you go to any other big city and find similar sized buildings, you're going to be paying three or four times as much. And I think that just forces a lot of these community garages to close prematurely. Yeah, I could see that being the real determiner beyond just need. It would seem New York, Chicago as well, but for sure New York. Average Joe living in New York who can afford and own a motorcycle for sure doesn't have a garage. Like having a garage in New York City is a mega step up the the real estate ladder, right? There's a guy in somewhere around New York City called Vax Moto, and he has a huge warehouse. And I think he can store motorcycles on top of each other with like a pallet rack and a forklift. And he's mostly storage, but then he has a couple bays set up for people to work on their stuff. And he's been around forever. And I don't ever really see any presence from him online on social media. And he's doing really well regardless because you pay a premium to store your motorcycle out there. But most of the garages rolled up Brooklyn, Moto Girl. I don't think they have enough space to store more than maybe 10 or 20 motorcycles. Whereas at Skidmark, right now there's about 150. And are you anywhere near capacity? That begs the question, not having seen your facility. I am pretty close to near capacity, but I am moving in the summer and getting a larger space, and it's going to be laid out better instead of like a long you know, shotgun corridor. It's going to be more of a square. So I think I'll be able to even bring it up to maybe 200. And are you doing, as you mentioned, uh, in New York City, and certainly if you go... The Barber Museum in uh, Birmingham, Alabama gives absolute uh, credence to the ability of motorcycles can easily be stacked. It doesn't even take that much specialty equipment, right? So are you going vertical too? We built some shelves in the back with some scrap metal and I have like a walk behind electric forklift type of thing that someone donated and I'm able to lift up a bike about eight feet. So I've got maybe 10 bikes stored vertically on this big platform and then 10 or 12 bikes underneath. It would be cool if I could do that times four or five, but I'll take what I can get. So Brian, in, in addition to your, uh, your uh, membership drive, you've got various levels of memberships. You know, people can go all in or, or, you know, just partially in and do a one-time visit. You also do a lot of classes, which is fascinating. Kind of give us an idea what, uh, what somebody could expect if they wanted to, you know, if they walk in a, a rookie and want to want to learn some things. So there's a dude at the garage who joined by the name of Steve Noble, and he runs Noble Moto. That's K-N-O-B-L-E, Noble Moto. He works at NASA. He's He knows tons of stuff about motorcycles and machines in general. And so he runs essentially whatever classes people want 
he will hold the class, whether it's the true newbie 101, how to change your oil for the people that literally don't know lefty, loosey, righty, tighty. He does how to change your fork seals. I mean, how to do, how to set up your suspension. SNS got word of what we were doing and got a hold of me and said, hey, we've got a couple engines that were returned via warranty. And instead of scrapping them, is it cool if we send them to you and you can use them for like a, you know, twin cam, gigantic Harley engine class thing. So they sent us two of those for free. And Steve's been teaching that class. And it's a full teardown and rebuild over two two classes. And it's selling out every time, every time he does it. He teaches a lot of cool stuff about motorcycles. And then we've got another guy named John Friscat who teaches just how to use the machines. So we've got a couple of lathes and a mill and a vertical bandsaw. And he's the whiz and pro at every machine under the sun. And so he teaches people how to use those machines. And once you get certified by him, then you get the key to unlock it and use it when you need to build your parts. We've got another guy, Grant at Rust Belt Welding, who teaches Megan TIG welding uh, once or twice a month. We're trying to expand to cover everything that everybody's looking for. Have you got the uh, proverbial existential cool coffee machine that everyone hangs out at yet? <laughs> no. we. Someone did donate a coffee machine, and it gets used once in a while by a guy living in his uh, schoolie outside the building. But there was a dude that was at the garage often enough that he brought his own little espresso maker and he really took pride in making coffee for everybody all the time. But we don't sell it. The garage has a little bit more of a beer flavor than a coffee flavor. And I don't have a liquor license, but I do have a lounge and we have shows and concerts and stand-up comedy and stuff like that. And one of the members owns a brewery, so he pays for his membership with kegs. So we've always got something on tap and the beer is always free for the members and the water costs a buck. I'm interested to hear. It sounds like you've got all of the, the right tools uh, and sounds like you've got people endeavoring to do long-term projects. What's the coolest thing you've seen so far in your own obvious opinion? Uh, there was one guy that spent about a year and a half making an electric bike, like totally designed the entire thing himself, put the batteries in. That was pretty cool. There's a woman in here who now building her third bike her first bike was like a gs 550 and her second bike was uh maybe a suzuki 250 and she used to be into cars and now she does these full custom concourse type restoration every single nut and bolt perfect she has knocked two bikes in a row absolutely top notch out of the park bikes bike exif type stuff and she's working on her third now and she does her own paint. She does her own welding. She does every single part of it, and it's absolutely incredible. She she's just done the coolest stuff. And PJ Grakowskis, you know, he's been on all the big social media things. He makes some incredible bikes at the garage, also. Well, that's cool, and has to be inspiring for other people that might be just hanging out doing an oil change or changing their tires to see something like that and go, okay, there's there's light at the end of the rainbow, if you will. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it serves to inspire quite a bit. Well, that sounds really cool, man. I would like to see something like that. And it's really cool to see it in uh, what you might call the heartland versus the really big cities where I, I expect to see something like that. Uh, I'm glad to hear that it's going so well for you. We want to thank you for joining us again today. Keep us posted with how things go. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're ever around, stop in for a beer, hang out, check things out and see what kind of projects people are working on. That is an invitation I won't have a problem taking you up on. And just for uh, our listeners, uh, Brian, what's the best place to find you, locate you on the web? The website is skidmarkgarage.com. Instagram and Facebook is also just Skidmark Garage. There is another similarly named business down in Texas that specializes in Camaros, and I think that's Skidmark's Garage, so make sure it's just Skidmark, because a motorcycle only leaves one tire mark. And yeah, you can pretty much find anything you need. We've got a YouTube channel. We're putting out how-to videos as much as we can. Also, Skidmark Garage. Yeah, and if anyone's in Cleveland, look me up. Awesome. Will do. And we appreciate having uh, having you come on the show today, Brian. Yeah, thanks for the time. We'd like to thank our guest, Brian Shafran, for being with us today. And uh, let's uh, go into our Pit Pass trivia question this week. And I'll read back the question one more time. What film is considered the first real biker movie? It's a pretty cool question. And the answer is the 1953 film, The Wild One, which starred Marlon Brando as the leader of a motorcycle gang. And PJ, since that movie came out, motorcyclists have uh, been labeled ever since. We don't all look or act like Marlon Brando, but it was uh, still a great movie. And he was a young, young cat in this one. Yes, he was. He was a young man. It was, I think, probably one of his first big movies. What do we got upcoming in dirt bike world this week, Dave? Well, the AMA uh, Motocross Series ended this last weekend, but we still have some MXGP, some world championship going on. October 18th in Lamel, Belgium, we'll have uh, the next round. So uh, look forward to that and uh, some good results. Right on. In the road racing world, there's a fair bit yet going on. MotoGP has a number of races left. Upcoming is this weekend, October 18th at Aragon. Then they'll do a doubleheader as they have been doing throughout this season. So October 25th will be another MotoGP round at the Aragon circuit under a different title. World Superbike is wrapping up this weekend. Final race in Portugal. Looking forward to the titles being decided. We'll report on that action next week. Moto America is, of course, off to Monterey, the Laguna Seca racetrack. We look forward to that race. Sadly, again, fans won't be there, but you can watch online, as we said earlier, Moto America Live Plus. Just go to MotoAmerica.com and you can find out all the different ways that you can catch the action. AFT, the American Flat Track Series, is going to Daytona Raceway for their finale races. So good luck to all the racers in AFT. That title, those titles are coming down to the wire as well. Thank you again to our guest, Brian Shaffron, for joining us today, and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app where you'll get alerts when new episodes are uploaded. If you have a moment, please rate and review us as well. We really appreciate it. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our all-new blog. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm Dave. And I'm PJ. And we'll see you next week. Pit Pass Moto.
Stay ahead of the pack with the latest racing news and interviews from the Hammerdown Racing Report, your source for regional racing action as well as the national scene. Every week, we recap racing action from all around Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan and cover national racing series from the world of outlaws to NASCAR. Plus, get all the latest racing news. Join hosts Scott Hammer and Ron Miller, along with different featured guests each week. From dirt to asphalt, we have you covered. The Hammerdown Racing Report, available weekly on your favorite podcasting platform.